the time it takes to research tools, resources, and options to support you when you are in the midst of grieving your baby can be a hurdle to accessing the care you need. Today's guest is here to share a virtual tool that can be tailored to your needs, is convenient for busy professionals, and is affordable. Take a listen as we explore this online option to support your grieving journey. Welcome to the Pause to Remember podcast. My name is Amy Pelkey. I'm a practicing CRNA yoga teacher and mother to one son here on earth and one daughter who was stillborn. If you are a healthcare provider who has experienced pregnancy or infant loss, this podcast is for you. My goal is to offer resources, conversations, and mindfulness-based grief tools to help providers like you build the courage to acknowledge and process your emotions, the strength to carry your grief, and resilience so you can preserve your career, relationships, and overall well-being while honoring the memory of your baby. I want to assure you that you are not alone in your grief. I am thankful that you are here today. Let's begin. Hello, I am so thankful that you are here today listening to the Pause to Remember podcast. I am really looking forward to this conversation with Jeff Tachek. He is the founder of Virtual EMDR, and we are going to dive into everything that this program offers. So welcome, Jeff. Hi, Amy. It's, uh, it's nice to be here. Jeff, I'd love for you to just share a little bit about your background and the evolution of virtual EMDR and how this all came to be. Yeah, I mean, really, this virtual EMDR came to be um, honestly out of pure luck. Uh, I was having in-person EMDR eye movement therapy sessions in Boulder, Colorado, about 10 years ago. I had crushing PTSD from my childhood. I had a fear of flying. I hadn't been on an airplane in 11 years. And I ended up seeing an in-person EMDR therapist in Boulder. And it was absolutely transformative for me. Um, You know, I found within a handful of sessions, I was really starting to feel better about my childhood PTSD issues. And I just got lucky. It was during those sessions that I said, someone can figure out a way to create software that does this, to put a step-by-step program on the internet that guides people through the EMDR process without needing a therapist to be there. And that's how this company was born. It was shortly thereafter that I started doing research into EMDR, how the process works. I started to hire therapists uh, to consult with, to create the initial version of our program. And I quit the job and quit the career I was doing at the time, and I founded this company. So that's how Virtual EMDR was born. And since then, we provide more EMDR sessions than any other organization in the world at this point. So again, it's just it's just pure luck that uh, um, I, I thought of I thought of this, and I really also I had a a passion to help people as well who are struggling in the same way that I was. When I first thought of this idea, initially it was if I can create something, an EMDR program, and just give it away for free and help a handful of people, I'll be satisfied. What actually ended up happening instead is, you know, I made a, I made a career out of it. So I feel very fortunate for doing that. 
That's pretty amazing that you were able to take something that was so difficult in your childhood and be able to use that experience to help others. And I know that I personally benefited greatly with EMDR therapy, working Mm -hmm. with my therapist after our loss. And so when this popped up, as we connected on LinkedIn, I I really became very curious and you were very generous to allow me to trial the product. And it was extremely user-friendly. And I I don't know if, because I have experienced EMDR in the past, it made it even easier for me, but trying to just step back from my experience, it really was, it just seemed very user-friendly. Yeah, it is. And, and, To be clear with you, the fact that you had EMDR with a therapist in the past is an advantage for you because you know, for example, how to formulate a target, which is figuring out the thing that you want to focus on while you're doing EMDR. You're already familiar with the eye movements or the bilateral stimulation that, you know, works on the hemispheres of your brain. You've already been through that with a therapist, even though it's a very different process with a therapist. So you do know to some extent, what to expect with self-guided EMDR, like the virtual EMDR program. Yeah. Even for somebody who hasn't experienced EMDR before, it's, it's a simple program. You just follow the instructions, take your time, and you'll quickly get a grasp for what you need to do with your sessions. Do you want to talk a little bit about EMDR, what those four letters mean, Um, a little bit about the evolution of the therapy and then how you've translated that into an online offering? Yeah, that's a really great question. So EMDR means eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. And I always think about whoever came up with that term wasn't thinking about the future because it is not a very user-friendly term. It sounds like, you know, something that a scientist would come up with. So even though it's technically not accurate, I always say EMDR, eye movement therapy, because that makes it at least feel a little bit more user-friendly. But EMDR was started in the early versions of it in the late 1980s. And what they found was that by doing bilateral stimulation, that means stimulating the hemispheres of your brain, which you could do through eye movements or tones in your ears, there's a lot of different ways that you could do it, that the way that your brain deals with traumatic or difficult memory is changed. So an example of success with EMDR would be instead of a bad memory in your past really disturbing you, you know, you're trying to eat your lunch and you can't stop thinking of something that, you know, happened to you 10 years ago, it becomes much more of a normal bad memory, a less charged bad memory. And that's the really good thing about EMDR. So it was invented in uh, the late 1980s. And it was initially used just with military vets. And since then, it's, it's changed a lot. So, for example, the initial process of EMDR was this very standard eight-step process. You have to do it a certain way. There's no deviating from that eight-step process. And what's happened over the last 30-plus years is, is that's really changed. A lot of EMDR therapists have written new protocols. That means approaches on how to do EMDR and and made some modifications as well to the eight-step process, including my company, Virtual EMDR. We had to find a a much more direct way to do EMDR because there wouldn't be a therapist there. So it's it's really evolved a bunch over the years as a therapist. Thank you for sharing a little bit of the background. Have you had people use this product and found that it has brought up 
really overwhelming feelings and the person has not been able to handle them independently. And in that situation, what does the product offer as a a plan B or a backup? Because my understanding is there are therapists that you can access through this program if you feel like doing the work independently is beyond what you are comfortable doing. We have a a therapist referral directory on our website, but we don't refer people specifically uh, uh, to particular therapists. If someone does feel like EMDR with a therapist is is a better fit for them, they can certainly find someone online. But, you know, I wanted to address what you're talking about, the idea of overwhelming emotions. Negative emotions never feel good. That's just the reality of life. And let's, let's, you know, talk about what we're talking about, which is grief and loss, the loss of a child. That's probably one of the most painful things that a human being can, can go through. But that being said, I don't like the term overwhelming because it, it implies that a human being can't handle feeling certain emotions. I think for the majority of people, especially people who successfully use virtual EMDR, they're able to decide for themselves that they want to deal with those uncomfortable emotions and accept that those emotions are painful. Uh, You know, I would also say that in order to use virtual EMDR, you have to be someone who's wants to handle whatever the problem or issue is that you're dealing with, that wants to take care of it. If you're not a self-starter who's going to follow the instructions, who's going to work through your emotions, then, you know, I would say that you need to go to to a therapist to have EMDR. Uh, I'm getting a little sidetracked here, but when you use virtual EMDR, one of the cool things is you, you can do EMDR sessions whenever you want to uh, or, or whenever symptoms strike. And, you know, you don't have to wait until next Tuesday at three o'clock or whenever your EMDR therapist appointment is. The downside of virtual EMDR is that there's someone not sitting next to you that you can answer questions to. The upside, there are many upsides to virtual EMDR is, for example, the cost to do a course of EMDR sessions with a therapist might cost a couple thousand dollars. And our program, on the other hand, you can do all the sessions you want to do in a month for $69. So there's, you know, there's a dramatic difference. One other big difference between the two that we've found is that there are certain populations, certain communities who prefer to use virtual EMDR. So an example of this would be military veterans, police officers, first responders, These are people that don't want to sit down with a stranger, some therapist, and say, you know, let me tell you the most personal feeling. I don't know who you are, but let me tell you the most personal feelings that I have and the worst things that have happened to me in my life so that we can work through it. These tend to be folks who want to work through things on their own or, you know, protect themselves in some way. So that whole community we found through our research really prefers virtual EMDR to EMDR with a therapist. Other people prefer to see a therapist. And and just one last thing really quick. When someone does use the virtual EMDR program and then they email me and they say, you know, I don't like the emotions I'm feeling and, you know, or or they feel like they're struggling to deal with that in some way. What I tend to do is give them their money back if they paid us and if they're not still on their free trial and suggest to them that they go to a therapist. uh, um, because under the circumstance, they sound like the kind of person who needs someone sitting next to them to sort of console them through the process. So I really like how you framed that all out and made it easier to figure out if you're the kind of person that would be the right fit for this product. I say in grieving that there's 
no one path and it's a very individualized experience. And sometimes it's process of elimination of what's going to help you through the grieving process. So for some people, it's just running or journaling or going to therapy. And this is another option. Like you said, it's the person who's self-motivated and figuring out if you're the kind of person who wants to work alone. I also can see this being very helpful to somebody who's on call and at two o'clock in the morning, maybe they have a triggering event in the middle of the night Mm -hmm. where there's nobody to talk to and being able to just open up their, their iPad or what have you and do a session might be really beneficial to them. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of the best things about virtual EMDR is that you can use it whenever symptoms come up once in a blue moon. I'll get in a nasty argument with my wife, which is normal. It's part of being married. It's part of being in a relationship. And, you know, maybe in that argument, one of us or both of us will say something particularly unkind that we don't necessarily mean. And after the fight is over, I feel charged. Uh, My thoughts are going a million miles an hour. I can feel it in my brain. I'm upset. You know, my thoughts might be, you know, why is she like this? Why can't she see my perspective? Whatever it is. And one of the things that you can do in that particular moment, and this is one of the great things about virtual EMDR, is you can go in the other room, shut the door, open up your laptop, and do an EMDR session on yourself, and really turn down the volume on those emotions. Yes, it's still an uncomfortable memory that you had a fight with your wife. And you know, yes, she said something that wasn't particularly nice to me during the fight or whatever it is, but you really get some space from those overwhelming charged emotions. And it's really one of the great things about having access to a program like this is whenever things come up, you can work through them. I'd like to say, if I may, one more thing about this as well, that we've really found uh, with virtual EMDR, that's great. Again, if you're having therapist guided EMDR, you have to wait until your appointment next Wednesday at 4 p.m. You're going to meet them and that's time to talk about your trauma. That's time to work through your feelings or whatever it is. And again, with with self-guided virtual EMDR, you can do it whenever you want to. And one of the really cool things that we found out through the thousands and thousands of sessions that we've offered is that virtual EMDR really works well for future events. And what I mean by that is uh, you have to go to divorce court next week and you're absolutely terrified. It's emotionally upsetting. You can't sleep at night, all that kind of stuff. You can do some sessions to sort of work through it and really turn down the volume on that anxiety. Or maybe you're getting your cancer screening results next week. You have to give a big speech at work. You can use virtual EMDR to, to work through future events you're sti- like again, you're stimulating your brain and nervous system while thinking about those future events. You can use virtual EMDR to work through those future events before they actually happen. And when you get to the the actual event, it's, it becomes much easier. That makes sense. And I think for this audience, something like going to your first baby shower after having a loss and the feelings that come up in anticipation, or if you're an anesthesia provider and you are doing your first OB call, or you're an ER doctor and your first patient that comes in, who's having a miscarriage, all those things could be very triggering. And the idea of going into work or going to a baby shower or something like that, the anticipation of that might be worse than actually going and doing the work or going to the event. And so having a tool like this 
for that anticipatory or anxiety provoking thoughts would mm-hmm. be a nice option. So that that's a nice thing that you've pointed out for this. It really helps a lot with the self-acceptance part of it. You know, the truth is if you if you do lose a child or lose a baby, I don't think you'll ever be exactly the same again. But, you know, at some point you have to engage in life and you have to do things like see friends who have children or friends who are pregnant or go to baby showers or whatever it is. And doing EMDR sessions can really help with accepting that there'll always be that part of you that's hurt, Mm -hmm. but being able to work through that pain in a much more comfortable way. So yeah, self-acceptance is of your emotions is absolutely, I feel like the key to that and really something that EMDR helps with. I honestly don't think that I would have re-entered the workplace as smoothly as I did had I not had EMDR therapy on my maternity leave. So I just, I want to plug that. Not that I did it virtually because I didn't even know about this option five years ago, but I just want people to recognize that EMDR is a real thing and it can have a significant impact on your grief journey after loss. Yeah. And I want to go back to something that you said a few minutes ago about how for some people it's running that helps them get better. And for some people it's therapy. And for some people that's, it's going to church or whatever it is. The truth is, you know, you know, and I'm saying this based on my experience that uh, the way to deal with any mental health problem is with a multi-pronged approach. So for a lot of people, you know, EMDR is not enough. They might need talk therapy as well. They might need group counseling. They might need to start really making sure they take care of themselves by running or eating better or making sure that they get sleep. You know, it's it's not enough to just do one thing if someone wants to work through their grief, especially for something as absolutely horrifying as losing a child. This is a total side note, but I have to tell you, I have two girls and I'm unbelievably lucky. I'm 49 years old and never, I never thought I would be a parent. And then it just sort of happened. My first one was born when I was 42 and uh, she's seven now. And my second one just turned four. And before I had children, I could watch movies or TV shows or whatever, where children were being hurt or, you know, were being victimized in some way. And I just, I didn't care. I was like, whatever, it's a TV show. But then once I had daughters, it's incredibly uncomfortable to even watch movies, fiction, not even real movies, fiction, where children are being hurt or being victimized in some way. So having a child really changes your, your perspective on things, you know, because of that, I I feel so, so sorry for people who lost a child. I, I, there can't be a greater pain that exists. And I wish I, there was some way that I could help those people. Unfortunately I can't, but yeah, it's, it must be just a, a horrible thing. And I'm so sorry for anyone who's going through that. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. I do believe that you are offering something that could potentially help many and That's one of the reasons why I I was very happy to have you come on and share this as an option. And just to piggyback on you talking about a multimodal approach, Mm -hmm. I think that 
in medical practice, we very frequently do a multimodal approach. You know, I'm an anesthesia provider and we do multimodal pain approaches where we take lots of different class of drugs in the middle of a operation to try to target multiple pain receptors. And I think that mental health is the same thing, the multimodal approach. And I think that's one of the reasons why um, very slowly, I'm trying to add more and more things. So we have a virtual support group, um, the podcast. I'm starting yoga next month um, for people who would like to just come and be present on their mat and have um, just some mindfulness, offering some meditations on the podcast and whatnot, and mm-hmm. slowly just offering more and more different resources for people. So I'm really <coughs> thankful that you highlighted the importance of that. And honestly, I can't say enough about support groups. Um, One of the other things that happens to people when they're having any sort of mental health difficulties, you know, be it grief and loss or, you know, other problems in their life is is they tend to start isolating and dissociating from other people. And one of the best things about a support group like you're talking about is you can literally call up a friend and say, I'm really upset today because, you know, I was going through something in my house and I found a a reminder of my childhood past and I'm really upset and I'm feeling these particular emotions and just, you know, get on the phone and put your cards on the table and tell somebody how you're feeling. I mean, that's so important to do. So it's great that you're offering a support group like that. Thank you. I think it helps normalize the conversation around some Mm -hmm. of these difficult feelings and to know that you're not alone. And this is a normal process that you're going through and experiencing and that seeing people in different stages of grief. So maybe you are newer in your grief, but having somebody in a grief support group that's further along in the journey who can say, Hey, I've been there. You're going to get through this. You're going to have to figure out what the best way is to get through this, but I'm here to say, you're going to survive this. You're going to find what you need inside of you, pull in some resources and you can get through this and that reassurance. Yeah. Agreed. And, um, you know, a a lifetime ago, I actually worked on labor and delivery and postpartum in hospitals for seven years. So a long time, I've been around a ton of babies when they're first born. And I'm, I'm sorry to say, I do remember what it was like in those days when a family would lose a child in childbirth and how terrible it was for them and how difficult it was even to care for their medical needs because of how they were feeling. So uh, it, it's, it's really great, by the way, that you have a program like the one that you have to help this community of people who are dealing with this. Thank you. I think, too, this seems like a good time to me to start building on this because we're coming out of some of the most stressful times of the pandemic and the layers of stressors that healthcare providers went through during Mm -hmm. the pandemic. I mean, I've been out of nursing school since the nineties and I have never in my career over 20 years seen anything so stressful as Um, having COVID-19 and dealing with all the newness of that and the stressors around it and the unknowns. And now we're coming into this period where we're having a tremendous amount of staffing issues. And so just 
literally manpower becomes a stressor on a day-to-day basis. And then you've, yeah. if you add the layer of a loss on top of those two things, it can really be a lot. I think um, I read about you using EMDR for people who are having substance use disorder and mm-hmm. being a tool for that. Do you want to touch upon that a little bit? When EMDR was created in the late 1980s, there was just one approach, one protocol, one way to do it. And what's happened in the last 30 years is many EMDR therapists have written different protocols or approaches on how to use EMDR for other problems, anxiety, addiction protocol, uh, uh, fears and phobias, just different ways to use EMDR. So one of the things that we did when we created virtual EMDR which was absolutely exhaustive. The amount of research that we had to do, figuring out how to do it, people that we had to hire to consult with, testing it. I mean, it was an exhaustive process. But one of the things that we've done is we've created different EMDR programs or different protocols that are part of virtual EMDR. Let me explain that really quick. Once you log into your account, you can select which program you want to use. So the standard protocol sort of works for everything. It's very generally written so you can plug any particular problem or issue that you want into it and do EMDR sessions. But virtual EMDR also has an anxiety protocol, depression protocol, fears and phobias protocol, PTSD and trauma protocol, uh, addictions protocol, and then the most relevant to this conversation, we have a grief and loss protocol as well. So these are different approaches using EMDR. These are different programs that are inside of virtual EMDR that allow you to work on whatever it is that you want to resolve or whatever it is that's going on with you. But to your question, addiction EMDR has has really been around for the last, I'm sort of guessing here, and I feel bad about it, 10 or 15 years. And we integrated it into virtual EMDR. And we, we actually did research on how EMDR therapists were doing addiction EMDR. And, and looked at how we wanted to modify that process for a self-guided program. And that's when we added an addictions protocol to the virtual EMDR program that uh, a lot of people use. And I get a lot of emails, people rave about how helpful it is for them with their addiction or their compulsive behavior. Along the way of researching this and developing it and pulling in so many different um, experts in the field, are there any books in particular that you particularly like and would recommend somebody who's curious about learning more about EMDR? Anything you would recommend? So sort of like the first book was called Getting Past Your Past, which was written by Dr. Francine Shapiro, who people say is the, the founder of EMDR. She's the person who at least figured out that eye movements changed her thought process in some way. And it sort of opened the door for a lot of people to be the founders of EMDR. Books are a commitment. So to sit and read that entire book, it's going to take you quite a while. Um, But if you're a person who just wants to better understand what EMDR is, understand the basics of how it works, whether it's virtual EMDR, EMDR with a therapist or whatever, get online. There's some amazing videos, uh, um, you know, short five-minute videos. Um, the United, the U.S. government has a lot of videos on EMDR that you can find on YouTube. For, for example, it's um, the Department of Veterans Affairs uh, has a whole series of videos about how EMDR uh, is used for vets and first responders. 
And then the U.S. government also has some videos on how childhood trauma affects people, can affect people as adults, and those people will end up with PTSD and needing EMDR. And by the way, one of the reasons for that is the government having these videos is that uh, EMDR is is the go-to for, for example, the, the Veterans Administration, the VA. It's the go-to therapy that they use on all these vets that are coming back from overseas with mental health issues. So it's it's really commonly used by the U.S. government. That's helpful to know. I ask mainly because I think that healthcare providers tend to be type A people and like to understand the background of stuff. So I just didn't know if there was anything that stood out. So knowing, sometimes knowing what to look for and and what to search kind of gives you a path to follow and, and can cut down the amount of time that you have to spend looking and searching for things. Yeah. And what I would specifically do is get on YouTube and just type in something like, what is EMDR? And you'll find a series of short videos, including some of the virtual EMDR videos that will explain it. And that will open the door for people to at least sort of understand what they're getting into. And then it'll um, allow them to much more easily select different books, for example, that they want to look into. Um, But that will definitely give people sort of like a base understanding of what EMDR is, how it affects the brain and nervous system, why your body reacts the way that it does. And you, you can find some really good stuff on there. And it's, it's easy to digest stuff because it's all, you know, five or six minute videos that they'll find that explain it. So I think it's also good to note, you talked a little bit about childhood trauma. And uh-huh. sometimes I don't think people realize that something like having a pregnancy or infant loss can kind of spark some of those childhood traumas that maybe yes. we haven't processed. And so yeah. even though you are grieving the loss of your baby, you may be grieving the loss of something in your childhood or something that was very difficult that you went through that has now been triggered now that you've had your loss. I speak from experience in that area. Um, and I just wanted to mention that to people who are listening, that that's not uncommon and it's okay. Having a loss like that can also trigger a, a whole internal voice of inadequacy and self-blame. You know, I, I swear as humans, we're really good at figuring out ways to blame ourselves for everything that happened in our lives, even though it wasn't, you know, particularly our fault. So yeah, that that's an unfortunate thing. But what, one of the cool things, by the way, about virtual EMDR is, again, if you're doing EMDR with a therapist, you're going to go once a week. I mean, EMDR therapists charge, you know, $150, $200 an hour. You know, it's quite expensive. Generally, if you have some sort of medical insurance that covers mental health, maybe you get covered for six sessions. So you'll do six EMDR sessions and then you're booted out the door. You better be better because you're done. And one of the great things about virtual EMDR is you can sit down with a pen and paper and say, here are all the things that I want to work through. I want to work through the grief and loss that I feel because my child is gone. And I want to work through all the feelings of inadequacy I have that have come up because of the grief that I'm feeling. And I want to work through the violent alcoholic family that I was raised in or whatever the case may be, because I've never really looked at it. I've just sort of ignored it and moved forward with my life. So one of the the really great things about virtual EMDR is you can figure out what you want to work on. You can decide what healing looks like for you and then go ahead and work on it. And we have some people, some of the people who use our program are these people who are real go-getters. They wake up at 5 a.m. and go run 10 miles. And these are the folks that 
you know, they'll do a session every day for 14 days and then they feel incredible. They feel better. It's absolutely been transformative for them. We have other people who are dealing with, with emotions that are so difficult that maybe they only want to do one or two sessions a week because they don't, yes, it's helping them, but they don't particularly like the way that it feels to have to think about these things. It's really up to the user to figure out how often they want to do it and to what you're talking about to figure out what they want to work on. In this case, not just their grief and loss, but all the childhood trauma that comes up because of it. Does that sort of help to clarify? Yes, definitely. I think you've outlined it very well. And I love the idea of pen to paper and kind of creating a guide of things that are coming up for you and not necessarily tackling, tackling it all at once, just one thing at a time when you're ready to tackle the next thing. And I think it's nice too, when you do that, you can go back a month to six months later and look at the things that you have written down and say, Oh, Gosh, when I think about my parents divorcing, it doesn't trigger that same emotional response that I had six months ago when I started working on that. And, or, oh gosh, I got an invitation to a baby shower. That was a really much more pleasant experience than the first time I did. And I'm feeling like I would like to go celebrate with my coworker or my cousin or whomever is having the baby shower and celebrate that new life that's coming in and not be overwhelmed by the loss that you've experienced. So I really like that idea of pen to paper. I mean, a couple of things about this uh, that I think are important. First of all, with virtual EMDR, um, your program saves your session worksheets. So you can go back and look at things that you've worked on and, you know, how much better you're doing now and, you know, the level of improvement that you're having. So you can absolutely do what you're talking about. But what you're saying makes me think of one other thing. One of the best ways to use virtual EMDR, honestly, is if you're also having traditional talk therapy with a therapist. And the reason is you and your therapist can sit down and talk about what's going on with you and what you're feeling and what you're struggling with. And that therapist can say to you, okay, well, maybe, you know, these are good things to work on with virtual EMDR this week. So go home, do a couple sessions this week. I'll see you next Tuesday and we'll talk about how it went. So it's really the best of both worlds. You can work on those overwhelming emotions and, and you know, the, the chatter in your head about your grief by doing the EMDR. You can also talk to somebody and unpack all that stuff by doing your hour of talk therapy every week. So one of the things that we find is that the two really work hand in hand. They really help people to do both at the same time. It almost sounds like it would be a synergistic effect to a certain degree. Yes. Yes. A hybrid option, as they might say. Yeah. And and this sort of comes back to what we were talking about for a multimodal approach to treating your mental health. If you're doing talk therapy every week, plus you're working on doing some EMDR, plus you're consistently getting out there and going for a walk three times a week, you know, taking care of yourself. And then maybe you're also in, you know, a grief and loss group as well, which I can't recommend enough. You can probably find so many different options for grief and loss groups online, including what you're offering. Um, Those multimodal approaches are really going to be helpful to people. And again, I'm speaking from experience as someone who's 
I'm so grateful to say that I've not, you know, lost a child. And again, I'm so sorry to anyone who has, but, um, you know, I'm someone who has a really ugly childhood and, and had to do quite a few things to really completely get through that. You know, I've done some, some groups, I've done some in-person therapy, and I've certainly done some EMDR that's helped. EMDR has been more than anything else, the most transformative thing for me though. Yes. And I would say it has been for me in it, you know, my childhood stuff, in addition to our loss. And I definitely encourage anybody who is struggling and fe- or feeling stuck to give this a look at and give it a try. And it's just like, I feel like it's just like, you know, yoga. Don't, don't do it once and pass judgment. Try it four or five, six times, and then reevaluate. Would you say exactly. that that would be a fair assessment to give it a certain number of, of sessions before you, you decide? Yeah, that's a really good question. So you might just do one virtual EMDR session focusing on your grief and loss and feel better after that session, you know, really be able to say, wow, you know, take a breath and say, wow, you know, my thoughts have changed and I, you know, I feel a lot better about what's going on with me. But for longer term relief from a particular problem or issue, four, six, maybe even eight sessions, and the sessions can be as short as 20 minutes to really work through that. Now, I I also wanted to suggest, I gave you access to virtual EMDR before we did this interview, just so you could, you know, spend more time with the program. I know you already have EMDR experience, but I really wanted you to be able to see how it's different doing it on your own. And, you know, I, and and you've already said that EMDR was so helpful to you, so transformative. I can't suggest enough that uh, you know, in your position, you get out a pen and paper or open up the laptop and start typing and figuring out some other stuff that you want to do EMDR on. So, you know, the way that it really bothers you that, I don't know, your your husband folds his dirty pants and puts them over the chair and <laughs> they really should be going into the laundry hamper, but then you focus on it, all that kind of stuff. You can use EMDR to really modify how you feel about almost anything. So, you know, one of the great things that I suggest to people is they just write down a list of some of the stuff that they want to work through with EMDR. And it doesn't have to be big things like grief and loss or, you know, childhood PTSD symptoms or any of that kind of stuff. It can just be, what are some of the things that are bothering me in my life now that I would like to feel differently about? I really appreciate you pointing that out and kind of sharing the different applications that this program could have in different people's lives. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the cost, $69 huh? a month after having huh? a free trial. How long is the free trial for? Uh, it's just three days, but that gives three you days. plenty of time to, you know, if you chose to, you could do an EMDR session every day for three days yes, uh, uh, and decide how it works for you. And then you go ahead and cancel it if you're, you know, don't want to proceed in light of how expensive it is for um, getting a therapy session. But also another challenge is finding a therapist who has an opening. And if you're a healthcare provider, healthcare providers work some really odd shifts. (laughs) And so trying to find somebody that has an opening, sometimes you can get you know, maybe an appointment with somebody through your employee assistance program, and they'll offer you three or four sessions of just Mm -hmm. general therapy. Um, I always recommend people just start there if they're having a 
trouble getting in with a, a grief trauma type specific yes. therapist. And I think that if you needed something to help bridge until you were working specifically with a grief or trauma therapist, this would be a nice option as well. I, I agree with you. And one of the things that uh, that's so great about initially seeing a therapist, even if they're not a grief specialist or they're not a trauma therapist, is they can really help you put things in perspective. You know, Amy, you have grief and, and you know, you're also not sleeping enough and you're also have this, I don't know, I'm totally making this up, this problem with your career, this problem with your children. And, you know, let's look at ways that you can start fixing all those things. So one, one of the really cool things about therapists is ultimately they can be like coaches. And what they can do is say, you know, this week I want you to go home, Amy, and I want you to use this approach with your kids and then come back next week and tell me how you're doing or just whatever it is to help you sort of start going down that road to modifying your behavior and someone to be accountable to with modifying your behavior. So yeah, I mean, that's, I, I can't emphasize enough traditional talk therapy, even if they're not a trauma specialist can be really helpful for some people to get things into perspective. Yeah. Yes. Having a neutral party who's not emotionally yes. tied to the situation. And I kind of look at it as you start with an empty toolbox. And every time you go to therapy, you learn a new tool to put in the toolbox so that when you need something to help you, you can pull that tool out in the moment as you learn yeah. it, as you go. I, I kind of think of therapy that way as well. The other thing that I think is great about traditional talk therapy is a therapist can just tell you things that you don't necessarily want to hear. And you know that they're not saying it to be mean to you or because they dislike you or anything like that. They're just saying it matter of factly because that's how it is. You know, uh, uh, Amy, you don't floss enough. The therapist is just telling you it's not because they don't like you or just, you know, whatever it is, they're just telling you the truth. And the reality check that therapy can give you is, is great as well. Yes. And I think the reverse can be true. You can go and sit in your therapist's office and just have an emotional dump. Sometimes yes. we exhaust our family and friends yes. who, you know, you get to a point where maybe you don't want to just keep dumping all this emotional baggage onto them. You can go and just sit there. You're paying the person to go and just say, Hey, yeah. this is everything I'm going through. And you can like, just lay it out there. You don't have to sugarcoat it or worry about the judgment. You can just lay it out. And, and that I think allows space to help you process it. Even if they don't say anything, just saying it out loud to somebody who is yes. not emotionally involved can be really helpful. And no matter how honest we are with our friends and family members and spouses and things like that, we all have a personal side. We all have things that we don't tell everybody about ourselves. And one of the other cool things about therapy is you can tell a therapist those things and you can say, you know, am I totally out of hand for thinking this way or feeling this way or behaving this way, which is something that you just couldn't tell your spouse, you know, no matter, you know, even when you're really open and honest with your spouse. So getting a therapist initially when you're going through something, even if it isn't a trauma specialist, an EMDR specialist or, or whatever is, can be really helpful. I couldn't agree more. Yes. And also too, just while we're talking about therapists, I think it's really important for people to hear. Sometimes the first therapist you work with 
might not be the right fit. And that's okay. If you worked with them for a few weeks, a few sessions, and you're like, I just am not connecting with this person. I feel like I can't open up, or I just feel like they're not pointing me in the right direction. It's okay at some point to make a pivot and try a different therapist too. I don't think people always realize that it's no different than, you know, picking out your PCP, you know, maybe you go into the first PCP's office and you feel like they haven't heard you and they're not getting what you're trying to tell them. And you're not getting what you think back from them. It's okay. You can, you can go to somebody else and try a a different approach with a different person. Yeah, absolutely. And and the other thing is, you know, a therapist won't take it personally. It's a, you know, it's a professional arrangement. It's not like saying, I don't want to be your friend anymore or something like that. It's, you know, it's a professional arrangement. So uh, they won't mind if you move on to someone else. So I agree. So you said that you, you initially, you had EMDR and you felt it was really helpful to you as well. How many sessions? I was just curious, uh, how many sessions of EMDR did you have with a therapist? The first go round, I had a year every week for a year. Um, And yes, that was after, or close to a year. Um, That was after we had our son. And Mm -hmm. there were years of things from my childhood that I had buried and it Mm -hmm. had a ripple effect in my life. And there was a lot to unpackage. I really took, took a long time to unpackage and process a lot of that stuff. I, I don't know if I was a slow learner or a slow processor, or I just had a lot to deal with. Um, but it was about a year and, um, it was life changing. And then after we lost our daughter, some of the previous things that I had processed kind of reemerged and I had to go through it again, but I think I only had probably, I don't know, maybe four to six sessions that first six months after the loss. And most of it was while I was on maternity leave. Um, actually just before, um, we lost our daughter, we knew she was very ill and was probably going to pass at some point. And I started then with therapy and EMDR. And then on maternity leave, I had some more. So I probably had about six sessions before I returned to work. And then sporadically a few times after that, over the course of that first year. And then I say to my therapist, every once in a while, I need a tune-up and the Uh tune-ups get further and further between sessions. And so now it's been, I don't know, I think three years since I've seen her, but I know that she's there. So if I need to go back for some reason, if something has come up, I can return and it, I just walk in and it's like, no time has passed. And we just kind of sink back into our old routines and she tunes me right up and I'm good to go. Yeah. It's, it's pretty amazing what you said about uh, the six sessions on your maternity leave. It's pretty amazing how quickly EMDR can work. Before I founded this company, before I started doing virtual EMDR virtually, I did six sessions and it changed everything. It changed my perspective on so many things with, with my childhood trauma. So it's, it's amazing how, how quickly EMDR works as an approach to dealing with things. Yeah. Oh yes. And when I initially started, I, I definitely felt relief after the first session And I went from being in my pajamas, not showering and crying all the time to showering and getting dressed and fixing my hair. Um, So I noticed benefit right away. You know, grief is one of the 
most difficult, most painful things to deal with. I, I do want to point out virtual EMDR, we track anonymously and we're HIPAA compliant so nobody has your information or anything like that. But we track the results of all the sessions that we do. And, uh, you know, so that we can determine, you know, how much better are people feeling who are using our PTSD program or how much better people are feeling who are better using our anxiety program. But one of the things that we found is our grief and loss program is actually one of our most effective programs as far as how users report that they're feeling, you know, how quickly they're feeling better or how, you know, how it's resolving things for them. And I think one of the reasons for that is when you have grief and loss, the thing that's bothering you, it's really obvious what it is. It's that you've lost someone close to you. You've lost a child. You've gone through a nasty divorce or something like that. You know exactly what it is that you need to focus on, that you need to deal with. So I think that's one of the reasons that people do so well with the grief and loss program. Unlike, for example, somebody with complex childhood PTSD, you know, they're dealing with PTSD symptoms, plus anxiety symptoms, plus depression symptoms, plus they can't manage their life. And everything's quite, quite nebulous. Like the problem that they're trying to work through, it's, it's not like neatly in a box. Yeah, our, our research indicates that uh, um, our internal research, and we analyze data from thousands and thousands of EMDR sessions that we've provided. Our internal research indicates that EMDR works, our, our EMDR program specifically works really well for people dealing with grief and loss. That's really interesting. Are you finding that any researchers are incorporating your product into any of their research projects or studies? Yeah, so it's it's actually really interesting that you bring this up. I don't have it in front of me right now, but I could show you the backend database of virtual EMDR because you can actually see graphs, you know, where you can grab a sample of 2000 sessions, something like that, and see, you know, how people were reporting that they were feeling and how much it's improving and all that kind of stuff. But along that vein, um, we are working with two companies right now. There's a medical company based in Massachusetts, who's doing a big study on a pool of uh, about 300 people uh, using virtual EMDR. And then we're also doing a pilot study. We're putting our toes in the water. The reason it's taken us so long to do a pilot study is unbelievably complicated, the study world. For example, we were going to do a study through the a medical school in upstate New York and a university. They wanted $50,000 up front just to use their name, just to say, you know, this study is brought to you by this university. That doesn't even include the money to pay the people who actually are doing the study or analyzing the data. It's really, it's taken us a while to figure out how to do this. We have someone doing our pilot study now. We have someone analyzing our data. And the other thing about doing studies is you really have to protect yourself. There are ways to take and change and present statistics in a certain way that could appear to be favorable to a certain group or not favorable to a certain group. So we really want our pilot study to be quality of science, quality science so that we can move into a full study. So to answer your question, yes, we are partnering with a medical organization right now to do data analysis. And we also have someone else that we're doing a pilot study with right now. And we're hoping to have those results come out in 
I don't know, the next few months or so. That's really interesting. Well, I feel like we've covered a lot of ground here and I Mm -hmm. really appreciate how much you've shared um, a little bit about your journey to, you know, offering EMDR virtually um, mm-hmm. And then taking the time to, you know, listen to the pause to remember podcast to kind of familiarize yourself with who is listening to this to better tailor this conversation. I really appreciate you taking that time as we kind of wrap things up. Do you feel like we've missed anything that you think is important for people to hear or understand? All I would really say to anyone listening to this as a father, I, I can't imagine what it's like to lose a child because I have two children and and what they mean to me and what they are in my life. So I just wanted to just express my sympathy and my empathy to anyone going through that. And just to say that I, I hope beyond hope that anyone who's going through that would find someone to talk to, whether it's a support group or a therapist or whatever it is, someone to work through it with find a way to take care of yourself, whether it's EMDR, whether it's not EMDR, whatever it is, so that you can work through what's happened in your life. Because um, again, I'm so sorry to anyone who's going through that. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. And I will put links in the show notes for anybody who's listening, who would like to try the virtual EMDR option and get a little more information about Jeff and where to find him and access this program. Yeah. And for, for anyone listening to this, if they want to reach out to me directly, if they have any questions or anything, Jeff at virtualemdr.com. I'm happy to answer anyone's questions. Thank you. That's very generous of you to share your email address with the audience. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been great. uh, I'm so glad that we got to do this, Amy. Me too. I'm so appreciative of Jeff taking the time to share the virtual EMDR product that he has developed. I will put links in the show notes to virtual EMDR as well as the Pause to Remember support group that meets on the second Monday of every month at 7.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and the yoga class that's going to start at the end of August. I look forward to any feedback you may have. Please rate and review this podcast in Apple Podcasts so that I can continue to tailor this to your needs and resources that will be helpful to you as you grieve the loss of your pregnancy or infant. I am taking a bit of a digital holiday for a few weeks to rest, restore, attend to my own personal well-being, and spend a little extra time with my family. And I will return with new episodes of the podcast at the beginning of September. I look forward to sharing with you then. Thank you for being here.